Mini episode 1433 of the FDH Lounge is brought to you by Sportsology, delivering unconventional columns and webcasts about sports, TV, music, movies, and more. Follow them on the web at sportsology.com. The FDH Lounge. You want to schedule your life around it. A long time ago, on a gloomy, wet Cleveland spring night, two men stand alone amidst the late night drizzle. Their voices echo across the vacant station parking lot as they debate the merits of the great American radio show that have been missing for far too long. On that night, an idea was born. That idea became the FDH Lounge. Welcome to the FDH Lounge. Hello, everyone. Welcome to FDH Lounge mini episode 1433. This is FDH managing partner Rick Morris with you here. We have our preview for the 2021-2022 NFL playoffs with a little bit more of a detailed look at wildcard weekend. We have that coming up and we're bringing back a uh, twosome along with me that uh, we put together to great effect in uh, December. So looking forward to talking football with these guys. We are putting this show up coincidentally on the same day as our show's anniversary. And I don't know that we've necessarily done this previously, put up non-anniversary stuff on the same day, but uh, the NFL playoffs are uh, at a different time on the calendar than they have been uh, previously with everything getting knocked back a week here. So uh, I want to uh, direct everyone's attention to the three previous mini episodes, 1430 to 1432. Uh, I want to thank my most excellent panel that I had, fellow original dignitary Chris Galloway, who was there with us on opening night at the Old Sports Talk Network, along with Ron Glasnap, Anthony Patrone, Matt Patrone, and the artiste Johnny Adams. All of these guys coming together here for a great look back and uh, primarily a look ahead. And this is the first time we've looked ahead as far as the 2030s. Nice little taste of some futurism here. Uh, What are cars going to be like? What's other technology going to be like? Energy sources, education, communications, music, all kinds of stuff. Given our best guesses, as well as uh, the usual hot buttons of politics and sports. Although that was surprisingly sort of at a minimum. I was surprised at how little. Uh, mileage we got out of that one, but uh, so much other great talk and great things that everybody came up with and emblematic of everything that we've ever done over the history of the show. We set out to be the show where nothing was off topic. And uh, again, this is how it's gone all throughout. It's uh, the help of other people uh, that has really helped to, uh, to achieve that vision and to carry out this kind of stuff. So thank you to those guys. Thank you to everybody that's been a part of the lineage thus far. And, uh, We have with us coincidentally here tonight uh, somebody who came on board probably not long after the original dignitaries. Uh, This was back in the old Sports Talk Network days uh, and actually our newest uh, member of the group here as well. So we really kind of span the different eras of the show with our panel here tonight. Uh, We have uh, with us here uh, a guy who I had proclaimed on the last show we did uh, together here. Uh, my favorite Philly uh, media broadcaster of all time, uh, my my good friend, uh, a fixture over the the, uh, the period of time of uh, TV and radio in the Philadelphia area, now going worldwide with our good friend Steve Callis on the Callis Remarks podcast. By the way, we're looking to get uh, Mr. Callis on here at some point during the playoffs, but uh, it, this is a tough winter for a lot of people, and uh, unfortunately, the counselor is not 100% right now. It's not COVID. I know when you say that, everybody thinks COVID. It's not that, but uh, I don't want to bring him back until he's uh, really feeling 100%. So, uh, 
you know, we're thinking about you, buddy, and, uh, you know, good to have you here. We got your partner uh, from the show, uh, <laughs> our good friend uh, Joe Stazak here, uh, part of the great, of course, as I said, Callous Remarks podcast. I can never plug that thing enough. Uh, I love uh, listening to it. I've loved being on with you guys, uh, even if I have a particularly bitter memory of being on during the 2016 World Series and getting a little pre- <laughs> prematurely triumphant. Uh, tonight's uh, the night, um, guys. <laughs> tonight's the night. El Presidente's throwing out the first pitch. It's going to happen in our park. I remember it like it was yesterday. And, uh, you know, I refuse to take any uh, kind of uh, blame for that uh, happening here. Uh, it was the Indians that choked it away. But uh, in in any context, always a pleasure to talk to you, Joe Stazak. How you doing today, my friend? I'm doing tremendous, Rick. How you doing, uh, Derek? I'm uh, all set to go. Uh, playoffs are here. I love playoff uh, football. You know, I'm a little melancholy. I hate when the season ends because it's so much fun every week. But uh, now the uh, second season begins, and I'm really looking forward to it. Well, who would have believed at the beginning of the season that it would have been quite frankly, my team on the outside looking in uh, with the playoffs here. I dare say nobody in America would have believed that out of these three teams, but uh, here we are. Uh, life is, I didn't uh, want to bring it up. Uh, well, you know. All, all, three, all three people here teams from the playoffs. Uh, yeah, well. You know, it is what it is, and uh, I've, I've done a fair amount of uh, burying of uh, Baker Mayfield and the coaching and uh, everything else here. I'm not... Uh, uh, feeling great about all of that, but uh, I, I certainly have some notes on each of you guys' uh, teams that uh, we'll get to uh, on this here. Uh, that brings up, uh, as I had indicated previously, uh, our newest uh, member of the FDH Lounge Dignitaries, uh, Derek Joseph. You can find him on Twitter, at dude underscore Cav. And uh, by the way, on a somewhat related note the other night, I hope everybody got to see the Cavs burying Utah. That was a great game. That was truly, truly awesome. And uh, it, it's, as long as uh, equal time here, as long as we're going to get in the, uh, the plugs for uh, callous remarks, uh, the only plug that I know that uh, Derek would want to get, uh, will, as always, we'll mention, uh, you could find uh, on Twitter, at Chaotic Goodest, and uh, the three books uh, there, uh, new versions of them all, until you make it on the rocks and everything I didn't say. So there you go. There's the plug. And uh, Derek, uh, good to have you in, as always, my man. How you doing today? I'm doing fantastic. Happy to be here. Happy to talk about, you know, a playoff, a wild card weekend that's really just up in the air in terms of, you know, how these games are going to, you know, turn out. Um, I'm also coming off of a fantasy football championship, so feeling good about that. So happy to be here. Well, very nice. Congratulations. Uh, It didn't go so well for me the last week. Yeah, it didn't go so well for me. Freaking Cooper Cup. So, uh, you know, if he happens to blow out a knee on uh, Monday night, uh, I would not be a guy shedding tears. I, I, I pretty much, our, our team pretty much dominated the league, you know, shattered the scoring records, whatever. But that's the whole thing, man. Never get too hot during the regular season because one guy can always fluke it out right at the end. Not that I'm bitter or anything, but uh, congratulations to our F- our FDH golf editor, Tom Denk, I will give my shout out to Mr. Flatstick himself for uh, fluke or no fluke, getting it done. But uh, yeah, this uh, this weekend, the super wild card weekend, as they're calling it. And I'm just going to say at the outset here, and, and, and again, and, and this is, uh, again, a further kind of indication of how the... Uh, well, with, with maybe in a tie with the Chargers, right? The biggest underachievers in the league this year 
Um, I picked to go to the Super Bowl, the Cleveland Browns. I did too. I yeah, did too. yeah. I mean, biggest underachievers. Although, you know what? The, you saw sort of the the ghost of Christmas past there over the weekend. Competent quarterbacking, cromulent quarterbacking. If Case Keenum had been in there for a couple of those games, not going to win you any games, but not going to lose you any games. Uh, quite frankly, the Brownies are playing this weekend, not making a Super Bowl case, Keenum, but the Browns are playing this weekend if that move had been made and Baker's airmailing ass had been stapled to the bench when it should have been. But regardless of that, in looking at this, so I, I, I freely stipulate I may sound a little bitter. I'm going to mostly direct this at the Eagles here, Joe, and looking at this when I say that, you know, and with all due respect, and, you know, I love it for your sake when the Eagles are going good, right? I referenced the last time you were on the show, driving back yeah. from a Super Bowl party in a freak blizzard. Uh, the two things I remember, uh, almost losing my life on Sprague Road as the Mustang was fighting not the fishtail, never drive that thing in a snowstorm, but what are you going to do, right? You know, right. and drunk drivers are barreling past me as I'm fishtailing, but they're on the audio, on my phone, I'm listening to you doing the Eagles post game, and I'm feeling so good for you. So I uh, want to establish, yes, my bona fides. I lost a whole boatload of money in an NCAA pool the one year. I think I lost, it was a winner-take-all $300 thing, but I thought, well, at least Joe's Villanova team wins the national championship. I lost my money in the pool, but Joe, I'm always happy for you. But I appreciate that, Rick. I, I had a pretty good last few years in Nova. Yes. I stipulate that to stipulate this. When I look at the mediocrity of Super Wild Card Weekend, the fact that the Eagles locked up a playoff spot a week beforehand, notwithstanding not having beaten a winning team. Yeah, here, here's, here's the other side of the coin. Notwithstanding not having beaten a team with a winning record the entire season notwithstanding really all of this, being in a, in a division that's hot garbage, okay? Let's, let's be honest. Uh, because you got a Washington oh, team oh. that regressed. You got the Giants, one of the worst teams in football. So I'm looking at this here, yeah. and the Eagles, to me, I hate to say it, Joe, but I got to be honest, they're sort of, I'll, I'll throw Pittsburgh in there too, the entire state of Pennsylvania while we're at it, and the Raiders, sort of the poster <laughs> children for what looks to me to be an overexpansion of the playoffs this year. That's just what I see. Uh, you might be right. Um, I'm okay with it because my team's in the playoffs. <laughs> yes. But, uh, <laughs> I don't expect much, to be honest. I mean, we're all having fun. Like, uh, I was laughing at people, like, trying to weigh. Let me see. Matt Stafford, Tom Brady, what the Rams. Are you guys kidding me? Are you kidding me? You're actually going to have to think about that. You right. Know, choose Tom Brady. Let's choose the GOAT to play again. People were actually excited about that around here. Well, they struggled on the stretch. We already beat the Jets, blah, blah, blah. Yeah, okay, I'll take Matt Stafford any day of the week. And it just, to me, and again, I, I like Matt Stafford. I really do, and I'm curious to see how he does in the postseason. But you have two quarterbacks, uh, both kind of needing a win to solidify their position. In fact, uh, the Bucks were number three before uh, that game, and uh, Tom Brady went on. They were down four late in the second quarter. They won by, like, 27, and uh, Matt Stafford blew a 17-point lead at home. So, I mean, I, to me, that's all you need to know. I know they won six games, six or seven down the stretch, but you can't blow a 17-point lead trying to solidify your spot. I was hoping we could play the Rams because we beat them there all the time. You know, just sign Nick Foles to a seven contract. We'd be fine. We'd be fine with that. But, uh, no, I, you know, I, I, I'm 
done the turnaround this team made. They were unwatchable for the first Unwatchable. Yeah. They, got, they, they got blown out of Texas Stadium, um, Jerry World, uh, on national TV, got killed by uh, the Raiders in Vegas. They, they were horrendous. I mean, you know, uh, I went to the Brady game in Philadelphia. Miles Sanders had one carry in the first half. I mean, they, Nick Sirianni had no idea what he was doing. Finally decided, hey, this isn't working. And I give him all the credit in the world. He's going to try some different things. And it has to work for him to look good. And the running game really picked it up. I mean, they lead the league in yards per game, 160, versus the top passing team in the league, uh, the Bucks, 308. And, I, I, you know, people are like, well, they lost Godwin and they lost Antonio Brennan. Yeah. Cyril Grayson, who? They, you know, he, Tom Brady makes every media, mediocre receiver a star. So don't tell don't, I'm not worried about that. If I'm a Bucks fan, I'm, I'm fine. Still got Gronk, Burnett coming back. You know, I think it's a relatively easy win for the Bucks uh, on Sunday. Unfortunately, hey, anything can happen. Eight and a half point the dogs. Tyler Heineke um, <laughs> actually almost, at least I should say almost beat him, but had, they were, that was the closest game they played against the Washington football team. You never know what could happen, but no. Uh, I would have been okay playing the Rams, but uh, – the fact that they're in the playoffs at nine and eight is amazing because they started at two and five. And you're right, uh, Rick. They've beaten Drek. Right. The Giants are terrible, and they lost to them once with yeah. four interceptions. Well, that's true. Hurts. Yeah. Um, Dallas. I mean, it was a meaningless game, but still blew the doors off at the end of the season. I don't really put too much into that. I'm, I'm cool resting guys, but they didn't beat anyone this year. They really didn't. Um, you know, I mean, Denver goes in and kills the boys in Dallas, and then the Eagles go to Denver and beat them. And Denver's not a very good team. I, 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 I tried to remind folks that it was one of those seasons where, you know, like, Mike White beats the Bengals and Cooper Rush beats the Vikings. It was one of those seasons. But uh, they did what they had to do, and they beat the teams they were lined up against, and they really looked like a the first game of the season against the Atlanta Falcons. They looked really sharp, really buttoned up, looked like they, you know, uh, if you get the plays in on time, you know, not like when Andy got first got here, and time management was a lot better. And um, after that, it just unraveled. And then they got it together and started to run the ball. And they have like you know four decent running backs, four really good running backs. Jordan Howard finally, for some reason, he was on the practice squad. You know, incorporated him. Miles Sanders was hurt, but I mean Boston Scott and Kenneth Gainwell. I mean, they have a nice rotation in there of running backs. And Jalen Hurts, you know, if you can run the ball and don't ask him to go out and necessarily win the game. He can make big plays, but as long as he doesn't have to, you know, be Hercules uh, and they can balance the passing game with the running attack. And the defense got a little better, too. Um, you remember five quarterbacks this year threw for a completion percentage of over 81%. That's only the second time in NFL history that's happened. They kind of tightened that up a little bit. But again, they weren't playing against very good quarterbacks since then. And then we'll see what happens, you know, when they go up against Brady. I was at that game in Philly. I mean, it, it, it ended up, and uh, the Eagles actually covered because they went for a meaningless two-point conversion. But they were down 28-7 to right off the bat, and it wasn't even a game. And I think Tampa just took their foot off the gas. But um, they hung with them then, but I don't think they hang with them on Sunday. Yeah, I applaud your sense of rationalism, Joe. Easy to tell that you are a longtime media pro with your stoicism and looking at the home team here. But, uh uh, Derek, you know, your, your thoughts on the overall field, Derek, it strikes me as a thing where, uh, again, I think there's going to be an awful lot of mediocrity on display this weekend, but in, in a lot of cases, I think it's going to be 
it's going to make for some competitive games. And uh, quite frankly, unfortunately, I expect that the networks and uh, the NFL are probably going to be rewarded with better than average ratings for these games here, because uh, I think a lot of these teams, with few exceptions, but a lot of these teams are going to struggle to get the upper hand on each other, and I would guess probably make for better ratings than we're used to seeing. No, absolutely. I mean, I, you know, it isn't the strongest, but maybe it is the strongest. And the way I look at it is, you know, all these teams that kind of either, you know, no one's besides, you know, maybe a Green Bay who's obviously not playing this weekend. All these teams have had good weeks, bad weeks. I mean, to me, it's really anyone can really win these games. I don't see that many blowouts. Even the Eagles. I, you know, you brought up a lot of points I was going to talk about, Joe. I mean, I, yes, Tampa is, it's not the same team. They have, you know, Antonio Brown gone. They have uh, Godwin gone. I think that's going to hurt Brady more than, than we think. I mean, it's, yeah, they, they, you know, they look pretty good. They still have Gronk. Um, but, you know, we've seen this Tampa team be not that consistent. I mean, I, the Jets almost beat them. Um, yep. Obviously, you know, the Saints have their number. Trevor, Trevor Simeon. Trevor Simeon. You know what I mean? I'm <laughs> <nine> nothing. <laughs> Coaches a, a you know a well coached game. I can see them shocking them, but the other you know we didn't talk much about them, but you mentioned is the offset. The other uh, Pennsylvania team, I think people are writing off Pittsburgh. I'm you know, and I'm someone that hates the Steelers. You know, I remember 2008. Um, Good man. RIP to the Cardinals. Only shot. Yeah, it, it makes me sad. Um, but you know, it's the, thir- the Steelers are a 13 point dog, which I think is insane. Some of them might be uh, better than others, uh, and you know we'll we'll hit that as we're uh, we're going through. So uh, so there's our overview. Uh, first one up is uh, the Natty uh, laying five and a half last I saw against uh, Vegas, and uh, in looking at this here, I'm going to refer 
uh, copiously as we're going along here. Uh, download available on the main page of fantasydrafthelp.com, the 2021 FDH end of NFL regular season breakdown uh, with a pretty comprehensive statistical index here. If you look at that, the Raiders are tied for 22nd uh, in this here. Pittsburgh 21st, by the way. Uh, so the, the, the Raiders, the lowest ranking team out of all of these on this very comprehensive uh, index, but they are sixth in offensive passing. Cincinnati is sixth, or I'm sorry, 26th against the pass. So this is a thing where Joe, I sort of get the sense situationally here. I mean, it really is a mismatch in a lot of statistical categories when you look at it there, but the equalizer is, I think, if the Raiders can, and, and this is how they thrive, is make games into a shootout. If they can do that in Cincinnati, they can hang and maybe win. Uh, I like the Bengals to win and cover Joe, but I would uh, I would think that that's that's the one scenario I think where the Raiders maybe can make it happen. They've been a little bit weaker statistically against the run, but I think their running backs are, are healthier now than they've been in a while, so maybe that doesn't count as much. But uh, shootout to me looks like the only scenario I'd say. Yeah, and you know I, I wouldn't count the Raiders out of this game. Look, they won. They had to win their last four games to get in, and they had to win in overtime and. Again, I mean, Brandon Staley, I mean, I'm not exactly sure what would have happened, but to call a timeout there, in my opinion, I don't know if the Raiders let that clock run out uh, or if they cared about going to Kansas City versus playing in Cincinnati. I don't know. But then, you know, the coach is like, well, you know, we need our 11 personnel in to stop the run. It was going to be a big They gave up 10 yards on the play and put the kicker in still. What? That, you call a timeout to put that personnel in and he beat you know he's running the ball. He hits ten yards. Makeable field goal ball game. So I mean, I was really disappointed with my Chargers, your Chargers too, Rick. And yeah. Brandon Staley did. But I like Derek Carr. To me, he's always been a little underrated, and he's had great years. Had a couple great years in the past. Maybe the um, absence of John Gruden. Uh, he's, he's more comfortable in uh, in what he's doing. But I think he's been great. I mean, they had to go. Uh, they knocked off the Colts on the second to last game of the season. I mean, I know they beat the Browns. They got killed by the Chiefs. They beat the Browns, Broncos. Okay, they had to go into Indy, and Indy needed to win the game. And, and I don't know if we should talk about that. But um, and then they again the Chargers game. But then again, you, you look at Joe Burrow, and um, he threw for he didn't play this past weekend, but threw for almost a thousand yards in the two previous games. He's hot. Lamar Chase could be uh, seriously uh, considered a candidate for MVP. Joe Mixon. I mean, they have weapons and weapons and weapons. I think. It's I think you're right. I think it could be maybe the most entertaining game out there in a in a clinic of a shootout. And uh, yeah, I'd, I'd probably go with um, the Bengals, but I would not be surprised if the Raiders kind of snuck up and uh, pulled off the upset. Well, again, if it's uh, if it's a shootout, uh, Derek, that's the only scenario I see where uh, Vegas can potentially get it done. By the way, the Chargers too. I mean, uh, it, for for all the noise that people made about year one of Brandon Staley and all oh, what they're going to be poised to do this year, I mean, the Chargers have been big time underachievers in the AFC since like before the invention of the internal combustion engine. Like, it doesn't matter if they're playing in San Diego, if they're in L.A., if Dan Fouts is the quarterback. Yeah, Philip Rivers. It doesn't matter who the quarterback is; they're going to find a way to blow it one way or another. They do again. They allow the very inferior on-paper Raiders. Again, I can't stress it enough off of the statistical index. The Chargers tied for 15th, coincidentally with the Browns, the other co-biggest underachievers of the season. Vegas tied for 22nd on this thing here. But again, I keep coming back to that. Vegas 6th in passing, Bengals 26th against. 
I mean, if you're a Raiders fan, I think you got to hang your hat on that and that alone. And, you know, one thing we didn't mention, you know, we talked about being a shootout. Well, who typically wins in a shootout? The person that can kick. And Daniel Carlson is in clutch for the Raiders. I yes. mean, that guy is just Mr. Automatic. So, I mean, I, I give the edge to the Raiders just because of that. I mean, the dude is just absolutely firing, you know, missiles in terms of field goals. And, you know, no one wants to talk about kickers. I know it's boring, but in the playoffs, kickers win championships. And you look back at yeah. the Adam Vinatieri. Adam Vinatieri, right? sure. So, I mean, uh, yeah, Cincinnati has much better weapons, but this is Joe Burrow's first uh, first playoff appearance, unless I'm wrong there. But You're right. right. I think it was Cincinnati's first. Yeah, all right, just double-checking. I know, yeah. been, you know, uh, I feel bad for Ohio sometimes. I forget. <laughs> um, but, but, you know, it is, it's his first time versus Derek Carr. He's, you know, he's been in the league a little longer and a couple appearances, so. Yeah, maybe, you know, Joe Burrow, does he have that championship caliber uh, blood? Yeah, maybe. I mean, he had, the, obviously, the, you know, the amazing college uh, senior season beaten uh, with LSU, so beating, you know, winning that. So maybe he has it, but I don't know. I still give the edge to the Raiders here. Well, Joe Burrow, uh, the man is an honorary uh, Ohio Bobcat, uh, and uh, I, I called uh, high school football games in a stadium that is now named for him. So, uh, yes, notwithstanding playing for – the uh, arch rival at the corner of the state here. Uh, I'll root for Joe Burrow in a situation like this, and uh, I, I've never been uh, anybody with any love for the Raiders, so uh, I know what I'd like to see Saturday. I think it's going to coincide with what actually does happen. Uh, gun to my head, this is where it gets a little foggier in the night game here, because this is truly one that could go either way. Patriots, Bills, Bills laying four as of uh, the last I saw on this. Uh, what's very interesting here, and this is kind of counterintuitive, and, and I was one of the people that really piled on the Bills heading into this season, Joe, of when is this team going to take the run seriously outside of uh, Josh Allen? And Josh Allen has continued to be a big part of their running game, but uh, boosting themselves by the end of the season to sixth in the league, uh, I really, again, kind of interestingly, kind of like the, uh, the Philadelphia way of doing it, right? A little bit of committee with the quarterback involved mm -hmm. in there, but it still comes out to sixth. New England 22nd against. So I don't know that this is a playoff matchup that we would have expected to see at the beginning of the year. I don't know that we would have expected if we were coming into this to say, well, the way that Buffalo can do it is they can they can use their well-established running game against the weakness of New England. But here we are. That's the scenario. So uh, as much as, again, everyone puts it on Josh Allen and what the team's been able to do vertically here. Uh, I, I think the game might be won or lost in the trenches. I do like the Bills to win and cover, uh, and I think they're going to be successful in doing that. I agree. Um, I like the Bills at the beginning of the year, and they started off hot, and then they you know, went into Tennessee, and Tennessee thumped them, and then you know, I, I lost to Jacksonville 9-7 six. They've been up and down. That first game against the Patriots, everyone made a big deal out of that. But, uh, I mean, that was kind of a, an anomaly-type game where uh, Matt Jones, I think, threw the ball two time, uh, three times, two or three, and they ran for over 200 yards. I mean, there's something to be said for that as well. But one of those runs was a big, long run, 67-yarder. But um, I thought, you know, Buffalo still had opportunities to win that game. They were the better team. And then I thought they, they proved that they were the better team in Buffalo the next time out. And I thought the Patriots kind of came down to earth. I never bought into, oh, he's the next Tom Brady, is Mac Jones, and Belichick. I love Belichick. Don't get me wrong. He's phenomenal. Mac Jones, to me, is a rookie. Um, I do not like rookies. 
um, as a rule, especially quarterback rookies, in a playoff game on the road against the team. That, you're right, Rick. It's about time that Buffalo stepped up. I mean, um, they haven't been able to do it, haven't been able to get past Cincinnati. And, uh, the one year they lost to Jacksonville and my um, field goal. It's, um, I think it's time for Buffalo. And I think, you know, again, if they can get that big mo going again, they have a good defense. I, I, I like, I'll take, I always, you know, look at a game and say, all right, who's the quarterback for this team? Who's the quarterback for that team? I'll take Josh Allen over most guys in the league, let alone a rookie who's done a very nice job. He really has. I mean, he's, he's done everything he's asked him, been asked to do, but he's not a guy who's going to win you a game. And I think you're right. Buffalo's, uh, running attack versus New England's, uh, defense who isn't great against the run, but I also think that Belichick will dial some things up and he'll get more pressure on Josh Allen somehow, and it'll be close, but I think Buffalo pulls away at the end. Yeah, that's kind of what I see, and in looking at this, Derek, I gotta say, when I was putting together the statistical index, I was really kind of shocked at how strong Buffalo set up here. According to this thing, if you look at just the numbers, uh, Buffalo's the best team in the field and should be a strong favorite to win the Super Bowl, but it's one of these deals where uh, again, they just really, they were a team that at the beginning of the season, I thought, yes, they're, they're the strong favorites to win the division and deservedly so, but I thought they were a little bit overblown as a Super Bowl contender, and I really thought that uh, defensively they had more holes than people thought, but uh, particularly the way they've played in the second half of the season, they've really made me eat my words, and uh, I think it's really going to be very, very tough for, as Joe said, a rookie quarterback going in there uh, Saturday night uh, to try and win this game. No, I don't disagree. And I, I've been looking at the, you know, the, the, the stat layout here. It is pretty. I was not expecting to see Buffalo yeah. number one with a shocking, every, right? Every single statistical category. It's very shocking. But you know, I mean, I would have to give the edge to Buffalo, but just for the, you know, similar reason Joe said. I don't know how much I trust a rookie quarterback here. However, I can see. I do trust Bill Belichick in the sense yep. that if he is able to get turnovers off of uh, Josh Allen and then capitalize on them. I mean, you saw Josh Allen, he had a weird stat line uh, the last week. I think he had two rushing touchdowns and two interceptions. It was very bizarre. He's uh, a little wild with the ball sometimes. He's wild with his fumbles. He's wild with his interceptions. Uh, he's a great quarterback, but, you know, sometimes he kind of just, you know, runs around and, and flops around. And if, the, if the, the, the New England can really get those turnovers and then capitalize them, Keep time of possession. Don't give Josh Allen the ball, which I'm sure is you know New England's game plan. I'm sure that's what Belichick's scheming for. I you know I really see them coming out with it. So, but that's a lot of if. And just looking at it face value, I think Buffalo wins this nine times out of ten. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so we're all in alignment on that one, and uh, we may very well be on the outcome of the next game, uh, w- whether or not we agree on the spread. You got uh, Philly. Getting eight and a half, uh, going to Tampa here, and uh, a couple of things that really kind of jump out at me, Joe, is that uh, uh, the Bucks second in the league offensive red zone. So when they got down there, they took advantage of it, and you would know the next part very well from having seen it. Philly twenty eighth defensively. If the other team got into the red zone, uh, they were almost guaranteed to get a touchdown. So I mean, that can't happen. You got to hold Tampa if they get down there to more field goals than you would expect with this matchup. Uh, the Bucks are uh, second in uh, third down offense, but uh, Philly, in terms of 
their uh, their defense there twenty uh, fourth. So again, that's not good. Uh, allow and and I know that pain as a Browns fan of, of seeing endless series just get extended and extended and extended. The, the the equivalent of endless offensive rebounds in basketball when you're giving those up. So. Once again, Philly can't do that if they're going to have any kind of a chance. So two things right off the bat that are big matchups for Tampa that cannot sustain themselves here, uh, if that's going to be the case. Uh, the Bucks have been vulnerable through the air, 21st in passing yards, but Philly only 25th in passing yards. So you look at it, and it's like the thing that Tampa Bay has a little bit of a vulnerability with defensively, Philly is not super poised to exploit. So, I mean, you, you can look at the other side of it like, oh, well, you know, even Jalen Hurts might be able to make something work here. I mean, you could look at it that way. And it's like, I can't even believe I'm saying this after everything I just said. I still think Philly has an excellent chance. Gun to my head, I would say they're going to cover in this game. I see it being closer than eight and a half, but there's no way I see it going any way other than Tampa Bay advancing another week. You know, it's, it's, it's with so many things that have gone on in the NFL this year, it wouldn't, it wouldn't shock me. It really wouldn't. The Eagles hung tough because if anything, they played um, they played very tough and they have finished games very well. Problem is, in the last three weeks, they are the worst first quarter team. I think it was the first last four weeks, last first quarter team in the league. But the best through quarters two through four because they got down to the Redskins or watching a football team a ten nothing <laughs> down to the Giants. Uh, well, they play down the stretch. Um, they got down another game like the game Washington again, and uh, they came back and it took some time. Same with the Giants game, and you know over the course of the game, the better team won and kind of won going away. But you can't get off to a slow start against uh, you know Brady. You did that. They did that in Philly. And they just couldn't climb out of that hole. I mean, they made it kind of a game, but I think, again, Tampa could have, you know, been up 42 to 20 or 21, whatever the final was. And you're right, when they get in the red zone, I mean, O.J. Howard should start on most teams. He's the third-string tight end behind Cam Bray, Rob um, Gronkowski. And uh, I, I do think, like, I agree with Derek that those, you, you're not going to be able to replace Antonio Brown and Chris Godwin, although Chris Godwin last playoffs. I, mean, I don't think he met a ball. He couldn't drop last year, but anyway, in playoffs, but um, I, I think once they get in the red zone, they're deadly, and the Eagles defense, I know they've, they they won, I think it was 7-2, 7-3 down the stretch, but they didn't really play anybody, and again, when they did play very good quarterbacks this year, I mean, Derek Carr, 92% completion. What? 92%, and four other quarterbacks, Dak was over 80 Brady was over 80. I mean, it was it was really ridiculous. So, again, they're going up against a very good quarterback. Getting into the red zone could be a problem for the Eagles. They look, I mean, they look like the Patriots did when they got in the red zone. The same plays, and Brady seemed to have such a grasp of this offense like he did New England, and he, they made it look easy. I was in the end zone for that last game, and they kept coming towards us. And, you know, um, some nice uh, – I like the play calling. It was creative. O.J. Howard has like 10 catches, and again, he's like the third-string quarterback, although he or uh, tight end, although he was second-string at that point. But, yeah, I think that, uh, uh, again, it could go either. I mean, it could be a close game, but I kind of don't think so. I don't think the Eagles are quite ready for prime time, um, although I do think Tampa Bay, as Derek said, has some vulnerabilities, you know, struggling with the Jets. And, uh, they, they, you know, if you watch some of the games this year, I mean, they pulled some out, but then, you know, they get Trevor Simeon comes out of nowhere. You know, backup Jameis Winston, who was a backup to Drew Brees last year. He, 
TV, sitting on national TV, Brady, a rare pick on the final drive where you thought, oh, they're going to just go drive down the field and win. But um, they have some vulnerabilities, and they lost a couple weapons. Burnett's coming back, which is going to be important. And, uh, again, I do think uh, the Bucks win and cover on Sunday. Well, and you mentioned Rob Gronkowski, uh, a guy that – I would guess that Derek absolutely loathes from those TV commercials. Whole lot of stolen valor going on in those commercials, let me tell you. But uh, <laughs> it, it, they're more cringy than anything else. I love that. Well, yeah, they, they're they, they're very cringe also too. Stolen valor plus that, yeah, it doesn't win on any level. But and uh, looking at this, I know from our sort of introductory comments here that uh, you think that uh, uh, you know Philly has a good chance of at least making Tampa sweat all the way through this thing, huh? Yeah, I, mean, I kind of I agree with what you said from the start. I, I see them covering almost 100%. But whether they win, I mean, I think similar to the uh, the Patriots, it's going to come down to time of possession. When you're going against a, a Tom Brady, you just need to not give him the ball. So if the Eagles, and, you know, with the Eagles being primarily a rushing team, I see that as a possibility. I mean, the Bucks, their defense isn't the same as it was last year. No, I mean, no. They, they look, they were a world beater last year. And then this year, you know, they're, slight, they're a little more porous, so... If the Eagles can just run down, just run the ball, utilize Jalen Hurts, utilize, uh, you know, Miles Sanders has a good game, Jordan Howard. I mean, if all these guys can just run the ball and tire out that Bucks defense, keep the ball out of Brady's hands, I think they'll keep it close. And they, and I, who knows, they might even win. I really do think that this Bucks team being depleted is going to affect them. Yes, Brady is able to make stars out of, you know, literally anybody on the field. But I do think it's gonna it is gonna affect them. I mean, that's you know part of that is yeah they did it last year, but another part of it, most of that was when he had Belichick coaching him. And you know I love Bruce Arians. You know he was a Cardinals guy. Uh, brought us you know we had that great run in twenty fifteen. But you know I you know I don't know. I and we all know kind of Brady's more the coach than uh, than BA is unfortunately or fortunately however you look at it. But you know it's it's really gonna come down to can the Eagles. Like you said, Joe, stop them in the red zone, and can they hold on to the ball, run it down their throats? But if I'm, you know, picking picking this one out, I do think the Bucks win, but it's going to be close. Eagles cover for sure. Yeah, I uh, I definitely agree on uh, that part on the covering, and uh, I I've got Tampa Bay going through to the next round. When you get to late afternoon on Sunday, this is one that uh, brings back a lot of memories here. This matchup here of uh, Dallas and San Fran uh, yeah. from the, uh, the battles from the 90s. And then one of the things, I was actually watching a thing on YouTube, watching some clips of, uh, it was one of the Super Bowls back in the early 70s. Uh, I think it was maybe the, for the uh, 71 season. And nobody remembers that they played uh, before there. It was like shocking for me to go back and watch this game because San Francisco was not good in that era. But that was like the one year they made it as far as the championship game. And it was it was just really a novelty for me to really go back and look at uh, what was happening back at that time here. But uh, this game, this is the token I, live dog. Uh, I'm not even sure it's fair to them to call them that uh, as, as hot as they've been. San Francisco at this point uh, getting three. Uh, the interesting matchup here for me uh, with these teams, and both of them actually placed surprisingly high uh, on the statistical uh, breakdown that we had here. Uh, Dallas comes out as being uh, an analytics darling here, albeit this is one of these things where analytics does not take into account game day coaching and that meme of the, the superheroes pointing at each other. You know, when you're looking at two of the execrable game day coaches in the league, Mike McCarthy and Kyle Shanahan. So which guy is going to blow the game, uh, you know, and outdo the other one in that regard. But uh, 
in looking at this, San Francisco first in the offensive red zone here, Dallas 18th, so not exactly uh, a vulnerability for them, close to middle of the pack, but that's a thing where San Francisco, once again, when they get down there in the red zone, they convert. If they can do that, they're going to win this game. I've got them winning and covering. Joe, how do you see this one uh, breaking out? Because this might be, on paper, the uh, the most even matchup of the weekend. Yeah, no, I think it's going to be interesting. I mean, Frisco, was, uh, he, he struggled early in the year. You know, Dallas won five or six down the stretch. But, I mean, they, beat, they kind of struggled against New Orleans, and then they beat Washington twice, the Giants won, the Eagles the last game of the season. So, and the only team that really... Um, uh, was worth anything was the Cardinals, and they lost to them at home. And they, you know, lost on Thanksgiving Day, and they, they struggled here and there, which is interesting, because, you know, they came out opening day and played great against Tampa Bay and almost won the game and um, killed the Eagles. Not that that was saying much back then, but, um, uh, you know, put up a 50 spot against Washington. They have weapons. Um, but I don't like Crisco, to be honest with you. I mean, the Cowboys for all, I mean, I used to compare their drafts to the Eagles drafts, Kyrie Rosen. They always, they seem to draft very well. They've got a lot of good players, a lot of talented players. Um, they seem to pick the right guys. They have weapons all over the field. A fourth-round pick becomes the franchise quarterback. But they can't get out of their own way. I mean, they, they can't win. They haven't been able to win anything. And until they do, I'm, uh, again, I'm not, I'm, not, uh, I'm not holding my breath. I'm going to go with the road team here and the hot team are coming off a huge win over the Rams being down 17 on the road and I think that gives them a lot of confidence and Garoppolo again you know he's I'm okay with Garoppolo I don't think he's fantastic but um I, I kind of like um I like Frisco's chances to win and cover this game on Sunday. I agree with you Joe because this is the time of year uh, this is the Dennis Green time of year the Chargers are who we thought they were I think the Cowboys are who we thought they were, and I think that's going to be exposed on Sunday. We'll see. Derek, how do you see this one breaking down? It is a very intriguing game, maybe the most so of the weekend. Oh, 100%. And the Niners, let me tell you, that, is the, that team scares me the most out of any team, to include Green Bay in the NFC. They're coming in hot, and they're just they're, that win on Sunday night, I mean, was phenomenal. impressive. And it's phenomenal. And what they're able to do with, yeah, Jimmy G, kind of like you said, you know, he, he's not great, but he's, you know, he can win you games. So yeah. I think the outcome of this game is going to depend heavily on Jimmy G's performance. If he's able to just be a game manager, not make too many mistakes, I think they win. The Cowboys do not do well when they face adversity. I think that team completely falls apart. Yep. Dallas is that very, you know, they're, they're the pretty team. When you look at it on paper, they have the stars, they have, yep. you know, like they drafted probably the best uh, linebacker. He's probably going to be an absolute stud. They have phenomenal wide receivers. Jack, when he's hot, is one of the best quarterbacks in the league. You know, they have Zeke, who, you know, is, is, you know, been a little hot and cold. They have Pollard, who has his moments as well. It's, it's a very pretty team, but they just can't, they haven't been able to do it in those, when, you know, adversity faces them. And I think the Niners are going to really just get in their face early and it's just going to totally screw them, uh, totally just throw them off. I mean, I think the Niners, I think actually this won't be the closest game. I think the Niners actually might beat them pretty handily, which I know upsets Maya because, you know, she's a Dallas fan. But oh. we're trying to avoid that inevitable, that possibly inevitable Cowboys versus Cardinals matchup. But you know, <laughs> I, I see the Niners winning outright, winning, you know, pretty, uh, pretty, you know, winning by a lot of points. And I, but, you know, if they don't, if they don't win, it's, it's all going to come down to Jimmy. 
if he's able to just play, be a game manager, not make mistakes, I think they win outright, and I think Dallas goes. Uh, I think Dallas uh, gets booted out. See, it's interesting because again, in a lot of things. Not just football, but in a lot of areas, I'm sort of a student of the law of averages. And yeah, I mean, it's very interesting. I think the likeliest scenario is that this is very competitive going into the fourth quarter. But you identify, Derek, that when you're looking at other scenarios, yes, uh, wherever this lands in the multiverse, it may not be that close because, uh, again, San Francisco does have the capacity to pull away. If they're a team that can punch you in the mouth, uh, Dallas is not good at being punched in the mouth. And uh, again, San Francisco was my pick to go to the NFC Championship game coming into the season. I thought everybody was sleeping on them excessively. They made me look dumb most of the season. They're making me look pretty smart right now, and I expect them to make uh-huh. me look even smarter coming out of this weekend. San Fran's my pick. We go to Sunday night, and this is one where, uh, again, uh, I didn't. I, I'll, I'll start with your thoughts on this, uh, Derek, because, again, I, I really, you, you and I don't clear, clearly see this game the same way. This is a thing where, I will say, if you look at our statistical index, Kansas City 27th uh, at stopping the pass. Uh, but we're, we're going to expect uh, Roethlisberger, the, uh, you know, the noodle-armed predator, allegedly, at the end of his career here, to, you know, unconvicted, uh, by the way, uh, for, for everybody, by the way, bathing him in media honors at this point. And uh, as a Steeler and somebody that went to Miami of Ohio, I have a couple of reasons not to like the guy already. But interesting how everybody brushes under the rug all of the unconvicted predator stuff. But I guess that's another story for another day. Yeah, the media is just going to continue to give him reach arounds, uh, you know, for all of his uh, alleged career exploits. But uh, again, Pittsburgh can't even, to my way of looking at this, uh, Derek, exploit the one thing that Kansas City might be vulnerable at defensively. Uh, this is one where, again, and, and you talk about the very definition of a team that is not built to come from behind. If I look at the law of averages, and it, it says to me, Kansas City's likely to get up on them here in the first half, they could really pull away. 13's a lot, and I realize that, again, uh, the Sharps out there might find this to be heresy, but uh, I don't think the 13 even matters. Uh, I, elaborate where you think that's wrong, Derek. I think it's going to come down to that, uh, that Steelers defense. I mean, I like the comment I said in the overview. I really think they're going to get Mahomes' face early, and they're going to make him make a lot of mistakes, and they're going to capitalize. I mean, you're right that you know Ben doesn't have you know that arm anymore. They're not going to be able to torch him, you know, with these you know chunk plays. But they don't need chunk plays if their defense is getting fumbled, and they you know they're setting them up in good field position. They're getting picked. They're getting picked, setting them up in good field position. I mean, I know you know Mahomes is you know. Probably, you know, the number two quarterback in the league right now. I mean, when you look at it, especially these last couple of years, they started off slow this year. But, you know, I, I think he's very capable of making a lot of mistakes. We saw in the beginning of the year he was making a lot of bad throws, bad interceptions. Now, a lot of them were based on drops of uh, by his receivers and, you know, what how they kind of play. But I really do. I see the Pittsburgh defense make, capitalizing off a lot of forcing mistakes capitalizing off the stakes and putting Ben in positions where he can score and he can still be, you know, the great quarterback that he was. I don't expect if, you know, if they, if they, uh, end up, you know, getting, if Kansas City ends up getting a big lead in the beginning, you no, know, I don't see Pittsburgh coming back from that. So in that scenario, in that multi, in that, uh, you know, multiverse scenario, I do agree with you, Greg. But the way I see the game playing out is, Pittsburgh's defense making Mahomes making mistakes, and they're gonna, and you know, they're gonna force, they're gonna force him to just 
throw, make bad throws, and then a lot of it is going to depend on his uh, receivers, what kind of game Kelsey has. But, you know, love Andy Reid, uh, but, you know, Mike Tomlin, he's a sneaky coach, he's a smart coach, and it's one thing we didn't talk about with the last game, and why, another reason I think that the Niners come out. I don't trust Mike McCarthy at all, I think he's an idiot. Um, but going back True to that. Game, uh-huh. I think, I think Tomlin is just going to figure out how to scheme that defense well, and they're going to force Mahomes to make a lot of mistakes, so that's, you know, it's not, uh, I, I don't know if I necessarily see them winning, uh, but it's covering a thousand, thousand percent. Quick follow-up on that, oh, yeah, uh, Derek. I'm taking, uh, Kansas City. All right, quick follow-up there, Derek. Uh, in the interest of uh, equal time here, uh, as much as I cited the one thing of uh, Pittsburgh not being able to take advantage of something Kansas City leaves open, there is a little bit of that on the other side as well because uh, for everything you're saying about the Pittsburgh defense, they do show up as 32nd in the league against the rush. However, Kansas City only 16th, and everybody right there seems like they're banged up. So, I mean, they could be making the hot tag to Christian Okoye at some point this weekend with their depth chart looking the way it is. So, I mean, is that a thing that you're looking at here, too, of like the one thing that Kansas City might be able to exploit on them? They're not in much position to exploit? Yeah, I mean, I don't know. I just, I, as much as the stats say that, you know, I'm going to I'm gonna be, you know, that old school football coach right now. And kind of, I like to throw out the stats when it comes to the playoffs. Ever since, you know, the Giants were able to beat uh, New England. Yeah. Um, but I don't know. I'm just, I'm just trusting that. Uh, yeah. So I just trust that Steelers uh, defense probably more than I should. Well, that's well. Listen, and and like I said, you might have reason for it in that regard because, like I said, I think Kansas City is not set up to exploit that. They're not set up ideologically to exploit it. Oh, let's just run the ball on the Steelers all day. And with the health of their backfield, I don't think they're set up to exploit it either. So. I, I see where you're coming from a little bit there, even if I don't agree with it. Uh, where do you come down on this, uh, Joe? Be the tiebreaker on whether you think that uh, Pittsburgh's going to just get curb stomped or whether they can keep it close enough to cover. I think they might get stomped, uh, only because that line is huge. To me, that line tells me a little something. I mean, that's a big line. Um, Kansas City was horrific earlier in the year, but they did what they needed to do against some bad teams. You recall that Giants game that they kind of eked out. They were eking out games until... You know, Mahomes got, you know, kind of got back on track. I mean, he almost threw over 5,000 yards this year. He was terrible earlier in the year. I mean, yep. I always mean, do a double take when I saw that. 5,000 yards, he was over 4,800. And the defense, somehow, somehow Steve Spagnuolo got the day. They were porous at best early in the year. And they're at home, uh, they're experienced, they're not the incumbent Super Bowl champs, but they've been there two years in a row. Um, and I, I just, I just don't think Pittsburgh has the firepower. I watched them play um, the last couple of weeks, and you know, Roethlisberger doesn't even hardly go downfield anymore. They're showing the, they're, they're throwing these dinks and dunks, and you know, uh, he'll finish with like a buck forty, a buck sixty. Um, it's not your Pittsburgh team that you're kind of accustomed to. And um, and Darren Williams, he's been playing very well. I know he's questionable, but I, again, I think they, they could probably run against that Pittsburgh defense. As well, I don't think I don't think it gets away from like it's twenty eight nothing after like five minutes, but uh, I think it might be like a um, uh, twenty eight to ten game. Well, if it was uh, twenty eight nothing after just a couple minutes, that would be deja vu for the Steelers, wouldn't it? But I digress. Yeah, uh, <laughs> nothing we didn't see last year, as I recall. But uh, 
All right. We go to the first ever Monday night game in the history of the NFL playoffs. I here. Love that. Nice little money yeah. grab here, and uh, they're, yeah. they're thereby really uh, disadvantaging whoever comes out of this game with a, a short week here. Uh, so it's uh, Arizona and the Rams. Rams laying four at home. And uh, Derek, I'll start with you since this game is uh, super near and dear to your heart. Uh, Arizona, uh, sixth in the league in third down offense. So get down there, convert. That's the whole uh, name of the game for them. Obviously, that's when Hopkins was in there. And that is the big fault line of the season before and after Hopkins. Uh, The Rams only 21st in third down defense. So that is an area where they remain vulnerable as allowing teams to uh, convert there. Uh, again, Arizona getting off to that gaudy 7-0 and start, and uh, when you were on the show previously, uh, it was uh, somewhat on the heels of that, but uh, a rather yeah. fugly 4-6 and six down the stretch, very unsightly, uh, and the Cardinals uh, in the end sort of coming out exactly where I thought they would be, like they'll be in the playoffs because the NFC is a mess of hot garbage once you get past the top teams, and 11-6 and six is not far off from where I thought they would be, even if the journey to get there was not what I expected. So how do you see this Cardinals team, Sons Hopkins, one more week lining up against the Rams? You know, the Cardinals are road warriors. We all know that. I mean, it's the most bizarre stat line of all time. Yeah, right. And yeah. why they can't win at home. I know. It makes zero sense. So they're split with L.A., winning on the road, losing uh, when, you know, uh, they played at home. So... I think that's in their favor, believe it or not. They're other road warrior team. But, uh, you know, I think there's a lot of factors that are going to come into play with this game. Kyler Murray being the first one they're talking about. This is his first playoff game. So he's either going to come out and light the world on fire or he's going to fold in half. We saw, you know, against Seattle, we saw him get sacked a lot. So if I'm L.A., I'm doing exactly what Seattle did. I'm going to turn up the blitz, and I'm going to just absolutely use Aaron Donald and just rip Kyler apart because for some reason he doesn't want to run. He didn't want to run against in Seattle. I don't know why. Maybe he'd heard. That's always a thing. Um, but he's the first factor I see. Can he come out and show off that this is, you know, he is a playoff uh, caliber quarterback, that he is a franchise quarterback, or is he going to fall through? On the other side, Matt Stafford. He is just bizarre because you saw, again, beginning of the season, they looked like world beaters. And then they they went through that thing. Matt Stafford, if he's if he's playing like good Matt, if he's playing like L.A. Matt Stafford, they probably win. But does he play like Detroit Matt Stafford, which we saw several times this year, where he made ridiculous interceptions, and then they blow a set. They're coming off of a ridiculous seventeen point uh, yep. comeback against San Francisco, where they you know if the Cardinals had just won, they, the Rams would have lost uh, their control of the NFC West. So. That's the, the quarterback play is going to be huge here. The next thing I see is J.J. Watt. He is templated to maybe come back. And, you know, you look at him, you look at his, uh, his stat line. Was he, you know, a world beater? He's towards the end of his career? No. But for some reason, he is just a, a centerpiece in that defense. So I think he comes back, and that's just going to put the momentum, at least early, on the Cardinals' side. Um, that defense, you know, they're sometimes they look great, sometimes they look Awful. Um, they started off the Seattle game with a stupid score, which you love to see, and they look porous, you know, most of the game. They were in and out. So, how that defense plays, they play the other half of it. But, you know, maybe I'm being biased, but I do see Arizona winning. I think, you know, the momentum has a chance to be in their favor early on if JJ Watts back in. But if they seize momentum early on, I do think LA's going to fold. Um, 
especially, you know, Arizona being road warriors. But, you know, if we get Detroit Lions, uh, Matt Stafford out there, I really see, you know, the Cardinals being able to pull this one out. Yeah, I mean, that would obviously be a big factor uh, in their favor. And, uh, again, this is one where, uh, Joe, I, I see it uh, with the Rams laying the four. I, I see them uh, covering in uh, this one, obviously making it to the next round. So uh, break the tie. Joe, how do you see this one going? what I do a lot of times too is that uh, if there's a line I don't completely understand a lot of times I do the whole uh, and this is the dated commercial reference of why ask why right you know sometimes you just go right. the other way than your instinct if you think the line is trying to tell you something and the, uh, mm-hmm. the old the old smart money's moving it uh, a certain way 